0: In John's Gospel, the feeding of the 5,000 leads to extended teaching in which Jesus identifies himself as the true bread of life. Finally, in these verses, he makes a connection that would not be understood until after his death, in light of the church's celebration of Holy Communion. The Holy Gospel, according to St. John, in the sixth chapter Jesus said, This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? He said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. This is the word, the gospel of the Lord. We had a really good convocation this week uh, in in Dallas. It was encouraging and inspiring to to see everybody come together and, and really be focused on what God is doing in the church and what God wants us to be doing in the world. And the real, um, I mean, the overarching focus of the entire convocation was on mission, on what is the mission of the church and accomplishing that mission and accomplishing it sometimes in very, very difficult circumstances because carrying out the mission of the church in a lot of places in the world is causing people to lose their lives. And we, we got lots of examples of that. Uh, in lots of different places and the and even if they don 't lose their lives, there are people that are losing their homes, losing their businesses, losing everything that that they have, or maybe losing limbs um, they they are paying a serious price for carrying out the mission that God gave the church and and as the, the thing that really came out of, is, is about how we carry out the mission of the church. And there was this big emphasis, and it's, it's really the emphasis of the NALC, is on discipleship. That the way we carry out the mission of the church is to follow Jesus' command to become disciples and to make disciples. And as I thought about those and listened to different speakers and, and, and kind of went through the little Bible study that, that one of them um, presented, uh, it was kind of convicting for me because I'm probably no different than any of you that I tend to be a doer, so that I want to you know jump in and do something. And so I've got ideas about how to do this and do that, and I know that you all do too. And, and it's been the practice of the church over who knows how many years to, to figure that the way we make disciples is to put on this program and that program and some other program and get people to come to it and, and they're going to learn how to be disciples. And so we do worship programs and Sunday school programs and, and other education programs and we do evangelism programs. And those are not bad, and I'm not trying to put those down. But we have relied on those things, and we have relied on those kinds of things to attract people to come to the church and so that we can have an opportunity to mi- minister to them and to teach the word and to involve them in the work of the church. But maybe that's not where we really should go. Maybe discipleship is not about programs, but maybe it's a whole lot more about prayer. Maybe it's about getting close to Christ. And I started thinking about that, and I started thinking, okay, how are we going to be able to make disciples of other people if we are not first disciples ourselves? And being a disciple means more than being a church member. It's about a relationship. And so there's kind of a choice that we have to make about how we want to follow Jesus' command to make disciples. How does that happen? And as... As I was thinking about that and I looked at these lessons and I was thinking, you know, these lessons are about a choice that people make about Jesus. Jesus said and made it clear in this lesson and in the ones before that, I am the bread of life, the living bread that came down from heaven. And the way you have life is by having me inside of you. It's all about the connection with Christ. That, we, that gives us life. Now, he said it in a way here that was kind of offensive to the people about eating his flesh and drinking his blood, but the point he was making is that you've got to have me inside of you to really and truly be one of my disciples. That's what is really important about it. And the people that he was talking to, they were pulled in all kinds of directions. I mean, one of the things pulling at them was their own religious traditions, their own habits, their own ways of doing things. The religious, And it was a very structured system in the Jewish religion at that time. And you had the Jewish leaders saying, this is how you need to worship. This is how you get yourselves ready for worship. This is how you live your lives. This is what you need to follow. And so they're being pulled by that with the obligations that they needed to fulfill. And then on the other hand, you've got this Roman occupation. You've got the, this, this military force that's taken over the country and they're pagan and they've got their own ways of doing things and they put their own restrictions and, and obligations on the people that were there. So that's who's listening to Jesus. And then Jesus comes along and some of them were following and they were traveling around with him and they had seen all the wonderful things that he had done. But then they hear these words. And it sounds like, you know, if I do something like this, I don't even understand it, but if I try to do something like this, it's just another thing pulling at me. Am I going to get in trouble with the religious tradition I'm part of? Am I going to get in trouble with this other group of worldly pagan people that are in control of things? What's going to happen? And they had a choice like that that they had to make, and it really pulled at them. But the point Jesus made was that following him was really the only thing that counted. I guess things in uh, 2,000 years haven't really changed a whole lot because we're still being pulled by the same kinds of things. I mean, from a religious tradition standpoint, we get into habits and certain ways of doing things, and we just keep doing the same things, and we figure this is what we need to do, this is how we do the church, this is how we reach people, this is how we get people in, and, and the programs that we do, you know, at some level are successful, and what we end up doing is, is getting more members for the church. We're making church members. And so we're pulled by that because it's comfortable and familiar. But we're also being pulled by the world. There's a world out there that says, why do you do what you do? Why do you believe what what you do? It doesn't make any sense. I don't understand why you're doing that. And the world has its own allures and its own things that pull at us and draw us and try and distract us and, and divert our attention away from what Christ wants to say to us we're being pulled in much the same ways. But what I see there is there's really two problems in all that. First of all, inside of us, we don't always want to hear what God has to say. We don't always want to do what he says or to believe what he says. And so we try to find ways to rationalize parts of it away and say, well, wait a minute, maybe that doesn't count, or that doesn't make any sense, or the world's a different place, so maybe I can believe a little something different. And so some parts of it we just choose to kind of neglect and not make a part of our lives. That's one problem. And the other problem is those allures of the world. We start to rationalize and think, you know, this is really going to be okay, and and it's not that big a deal, or... Maybe we get drawn back to some old habits that we've had maybe in our own personal life and say, you know, that's that's really not such a big deal. We have all that stuff inside of us, and all that stuff pulls at us all at the same time. But what are we really doing when we start thinking like that? What we're really doing is replacing Christ. We're replacing Christ with what we want with what we think, with what seems to us to be the best way to think and the best way to act and the best way to do things. So we just kind of go full steam ahead in our own power and in our own way of thinking. And so when Jesus says... I'm the living bread of heaven. You can't live without me. You need to have me inside of you. It's more important than anything else. Well, a lot of people leave. A lot of people don't want to do that. A lot of people don't want to follow that. And there are maybe times in our lives even when we have been there. And we kind of wandered away. And at Jesus' time, this large following that he had, Most of them left because it was a hard saying that he was telling them. And so Jesus looks over at the twelve, his inner circle, and he says, So do you want to leave too? They had been there and seen all the things that Jesus did. They saw the power that he had, the feeding of the 5,000, the healings that he had done. They had heard him teach they had seen how much he loves people, and it, it touched them in a certain way, obviously a different way than all those other people that left. And so Peter stands up. He's always the one that stands up and says something first. Peter stands up and says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Peter's confession was for all 12 of those disciples. He said, we got no place else to go. We choose you over any of this other stuff that's pulling at us. We choose you. And it's interesting what Jesus said after that. Um, he says, After he says that, uh, Peter says that, then Jesus replied, Have I not chosen you? So I wonder about you and me. What what is our choice? Is there any place else we want to go besides Jesus? I'm sure you've seen the power of Jesus in your own life at some point some way Jesus has touched you you've probably felt the love of Christ in your own life when, when you really needed it he was there you probably know that you've seen and heard maybe in, in different ways than the disciples actually did who were there and, and felt the love of Christ you've had all that and that's why you've chosen to follow Christ but what But then Jesus says, but I've chosen you. Jesus chose you to be his brother or his sister. Jesus chose you to be a child of God and to be part of that family. Not because you're so special, not because there's anything great about you, but because he loves you, pure and simple, because he loves you. And I think in all of this, I think there's a word here for for us at Emmanuel. And maybe it's in the form of a couple of questions. Question is, how close are you to Jesus? Is Jesus as close to you as your very best friend? Do you feel like Jesus is the best friend? Do you love Jesus' word? Is his word a part of you? Do you take it seriously? Do you know what it is? Are you a disciple? A disciple is a student. A disciple is one that wants nothing more than to sit at the master's feet and learn and imitate. Are you a disciple? Are you interested in Jesus' way? Do you want to follow his way? Do you want to go the way he went? and go the way he wants you to go. I think it's interesting that in the three years that Jesus' disciples were with him during his ministry, Jesus only sent them out one time into the community to preach the message that the kingdom is near. One time in three years he sent them out. That three years for Jesus was for one purpose. To make those twelve disciples. It took three years to make them disciples. Where they sat at his feet and they listened and they watched and they learned what it means to be a disciple and what it means to be like Christ. He didn't send them out to make other disciples until when? After he had ascended and after he empowered them with the Spirit. Because then they were ready. And then he sent them out. So here's the choice. Do you want to be a disciple for Christ? Christ. Do you want to make disciples for Christ? Joshua confronted the people of his time with a choice. A choice about did they want to follow God and what God said or did they want to follow the gods of the people around them, the society that they found themselves living in, the Amorites in this case. And he reminded them of all the wonderful things that God had done for them over the years, just like he's done for us. And then he said to them, he said, so choose this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We have the same choice to choose. We choose for ourselves this day, every day, whom will we serve?